is Thor Ackerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. We have a special guest with us, uh, Chris Cardillo. Uh, he is one of the current owners of Coleco. Uh, what is it? Coleco Holdings, correct, Chris? Yeah, Coleco Holdings. Coleco Holdings. And basically, you know, I was got in contact with his people who got in contact with me on the Hagen's Alley page and just said, you know, Chris talked with you at um, a gaming convention, which was Retro Gaming Expo, the one by Retroware TV, and basically wanted to come on the podcast, talk some stuff. Um, so basically, talk with us about the, um, the Coleco Convention, Chris. You uh, said it was so August 5th and 6th, correct? Yeah, August 5th and 6th of this year. It's a uh, retro gaming convention sponsored by Coleco. It's not exclusively Coleco stuff. You'll have you know, other uh, things, Atari, Nintendo, you know, Sega, you name it. So it's your uh, retro gaming convention. You have special guests. I'm going to be heavily advertising this on the radio in the tri-state area. Some major well-known DJs out of New York are, are promoting the event as well. I'm going to have a guest DJ as well. So, so you said it was in the tri-state area. Is it's over in New York City, or where is it at in New York? Yeah, so it's actually in New Jersey. Oh, it's in Jersey. Um, nice. Yeah, it's in New Jersey, but it's very close to uh, New York City. So it's in, a, it's in a convention center. It's a huge venue in the area, uh, central New Jersey. It's actually in Edison, uh, right across the uh, river from New York. Easy to get to. So, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of people coming through here. Nice. So, um, so with the convention, like, what do you have any big draws? Any big guests? Uh, is there like yeah. a a big like get? Because I know, I mean, I, you know, it's like Collector Vision and JF, but uh, Game On convention they tend to like try to get crazy guests. But yeah, every convention now, has J their own niche. JF, who's who's on online here, he's he promises me that he might have some exclusive stuff at this uh, convention. So they are one of our distinguished guests there. And um, they're going to bring some, you know, exclusive show stuff. Uh, one of their games had Sidi uh, had uh, won some awards, so I'm very uh, excited for them. Nice. Uh, I think my my favorite guest is Sophie Reynolds from Disney's Gamers Guide to Almost Everything. Yeah. So I thought it was like a perfect tie-in, you know, because as you go, like you said, there's a lot of big conventions out there. 
And one thing I'm really trying to do with this is kind of bridge the gap between, um, you know, the you know guys our age who are playing these games and the younger kids. Yeah. So I figured, let me grab somebody from Disney, bring her through, let the kids get some autographs and things of that nature, so that we kind of have like the best of both worlds here, and and hopefully that will draw some additional people. Um, you know, I've brought my kids to some conventions, and I really want to get them involved. Um, but you know, when you go there, you, you just definitely want. If they don't know the games, it's hard for them to get excited about it. So I definitely wanted them to get something uh, exciting out of it as well. Uh, yeah, you're 100% right. And uh, too many times do these conventions like that are around, they just cater to the, the hardcore fans. And there are a lot of us that have kids. I mean, um, I'm supposed to go to a Pittsburgh convention uh, in two weeks. And I literally will have to bring the little one with me if I if I go out, and that's a three hour drive. And I'm not sure. Um, I know um, what is it? Replay FX, which is also in Pittsburgh, where that's during the summer. They have like a giant bounce house and stuff, which is I think that's overkill. But actually having stuff like your your Disney um, Disney people there and things like that that's a that's an excellent uh, excellent get. Yeah, I'll have to check out the one in Pittsburgh, man. I was born in Pittsburgh. So it's kind of my hometown there. I might have to drive out there and check that out. Sounds exciting. Yeah, man. The, the the one that's in two weeks is called Pittsburgh Retro Gaming Convention, and that one's ran by the guys who do Mega Cat Studios. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're it's a one day, and they're not doing panels. They're kind of it's a little more low key, but um, you know, I I, I know the guys from Mega Cat. They're really cool dudes. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try to make it out, and I'm with the little one that weekend, so I'm gonna have to bring her with. <laughs> right. But definitely, yeah, bring it through. Yeah, it means, um, it means I won't oh, be able to do a table for the books or anything, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all good. It's, it's all good, good, man. That's what it's all about, the kids, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we got we got Tyler Bushnell supposed to be coming through here. It's uh, Noel nice. Bushnell's uh, son, obviously the originator of Atari. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like Atari royalty coming through. So that that should be a good. He's working on his own um, retrocade, arcade system. Kind of attaches to the wall. You can play like bazillion games on it so he's been working on that project his team should be there um we have him do some talking as well and then mark toman from coleco my partner or the big boss as i call him <laughs> the big uh, boss man yeah man he's very he's very elusive for guys in the gaming industry and you know he's an extremely busy guy uh, a lot of stuff a lot of businesses he's working with so to have him come through is is for me awesome i mean you know and i know a lot of people uh, kind of look up to him and and if you have any questions for him you know come to the convention he's gonna be able to do a q a for a little bit of time and uh answer people's questions or whatever they need that's pretty cool sounds like a, a rare event type thing yeah man i think pretty, so pretty rad so um so you mentioned you know collector vision and jf over here who's also in the chat ch- hanging out with us um what uh, is your thoughts on the current Coleco homebrew scene? I, I think it's pretty rad. And what what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's um, it's it's an awesome thing to have people independently developing games. You know, I whenever somebody does, it would be nice to kind of somehow be in, involved with that and in, in having a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the games are are very good and, and exciting, and some of the games, you know, I, there's. You know, things that maybe shouldn't be there for kids and i and i wish that everybody would kind of hit us up and say hey listen you know this is the content of the game you know what do you guys think um i understand there's not a lot you know to 
huge distribution to be gained off of something like that. But, yeah. you know, it'd be nice to say, hey, you know, this is a Coleco game that, that we've reviewed and, you know, kind of put our seal of approval on it. Um, so that, I mean, that would be great. Uh, you know, there there are some games, like I said, that are out there that have, you know, nudity and things of that nature, which I'm not really, you know, kind of a fan of, um, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, but for, yes, but for the most part, I mean, it's definitely, you know, something that's needed to kind of, to push the brand and to get people in, involved uh, with what's going on, and uh, you got to remember that a lot of the a lot of the programmers are so very necessary because we're dealing with kind of you know older technology sometimes, and you can't just go out and, and find people doing this. So when you have somebody who's willing and able to take their time to put a game together, it's a uh, it's kind of a blessing, and it's it, and when you need something, those are the guys you're you're first calling on. You know, you need an emulator for something. You're 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 contacting those guys. You need, you know, advice on how to to move. You know, connect something. You, those are the guys you're talking to. So, you know, there's a, a lot of appreciation for what they're doing. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, my latest book that I'm doing, I, I'm working on the NES homebrew scene, and just Nintendo's the same madness. I mean, JF may be doing a couple of Nintendo games, wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Hope so. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think a few are going to be some ports of some of your your Coleco games that they've been working on, too, which are, there's some really good stuff out there. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's really rad, and I I, um, I enjoy it, and that's the one thing that I kind of regret, um... And I like to go into some Coleco memories, but like I actually had a Coleco, and I think my wife got rid of it or sold it because she was selling on eBay for a little bit, and I wasn't playing it. But I still have my Coleco games, and I still have the Game Store eighty one game, which is a homebrew. Nice. I still have that. Like that one's the limited one that he sold with his Indiegogo, I think it was. Um, yeah, that's but, like a valuable game. You go on on eBay, man. You, it's it's uh, it's one of the highest priced games out there. I think it, it, yeah. it actually is. That's crazy to me. I've but, never actually played it. You played it? Is it any good? Or I have not because I got it after the Coleco was gone. It's disappointing. Uh, I have so the, got the uh, game. Yeah, and no Coleco. I got the game and no Coleco now, and I had the Coleco for like you know ten years, fifteen years. It's like I'll just pick up one at a convention because that's the one thing about these gaming conventions people will have stuff there and if any convention's going to have Coleco's it's going to be the Coleco convention no doubt <laughs> so um so what is one of your favorite Coleco memories just like playing with my father I mean one of the games he got was Qbert and you know to this day I, I would play it and I'd go up the pyramid and I'd get hit bonk with the ball and he'd be like never go up and then he would just tell me that consistently, and to this day I still remember that. And mm-hmm. you know, I have a good relationship with my father and my family. And you know, sometimes I'll make a joke, something you go on somewhere else, you know, don't go up, you know. So it's that, that's my I think my favorite memory of the system. Uh, you know, even getting it, you know, I didn't even know that I was getting it. My father kind of you know took us out to the store, and and I didn't even know I was getting a Coleco. So maybe he wanted to play it too. I don't know. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's kind of getting toys not on holidays was pretty rare in my house so going to the store and, and seeing it come off the conveyor belt was obviously exciting so those are two two of my favorite uh, memories of the actual system it's amazing so with the cuber don't go up is that like the secret because i've never been I, i've always loved the idea of cuber 
but I've never been like stellar at it. And I've, I've always felt that it's kind of like burger time. Like I'm missing an element. So what's the never go up thing? Yeah, man. I mean, when you're going to, when you're escaping coily, you'll eventually get to the top of the pyramid. So when you're at the top, the balls are coming out the sky and they're going to land on the top first. So if you start and go down and then you kind of mess with the middle of the uh, pyramid and the lower parts of the pyramid until you get to the, uh, you know, coily coming. And then when you jump off the, uh, the disc to float you up you're gonna stop you're gonna jump back on the top of the pyramid you can kind of complete the uh pyramid up there so yeah i mean i don't know give it a go and, and see if you uh improve your score you know cool yeah because my my dad was the same way he kind of like lived through me kind of it sounds like how your dad did right kinda like lived, lived through his kids and uh yeah I got, I got my kids playing this stuff now man they don't want to play the wii and the Late. <laughs> yeah, they they come down. I got it set up in the downstairs in a little room, and they uh, I have multiple desks set up, and, and and they love playing the Coleco games. They like playing Spy Hunter on there, and and they'll they'll play that before they play a Nintendo or a Wii, you know. So it's great. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and the the biggest complaint I just always hear is the controller. Everyone always harps on that. But I think there there is like someone adapted a controller to a Atari Jaguar controller, so yeah. the the bottom of the Jaguar controller is the pad, like the number pad, mm-hmm. and then you have your control pad and your buttons too. One of the sets I have have like a stick on it, so you can move the uh, controller much easier. You know, so that's a, a thing. It never bothered me except when I was little, and you kind of get like blisters from you know, banging the controller in one direction, but <laughs> right, never, really, yeah. never really bothered me, you know, the controller itself. Thought it yeah, was- I think that's part of the experience, in my opinion, like the original experience, you know, it kind of takes away from that. It's like Atari 2600, um, how you can play with the Sega Genesis controller, which is great and convenient, but it, it does take away from that just playing with the original joystick, you know. There's just something about that, you know. No doubt. Yeah, it was uh, the interesting story for me with the Coleco was um, it was like an elusive one, elusive system for me. And you know, Kyle and I are actually cousins, and so we grew up together. And like, we have another cousin who we we would go to his place every once in a while, once in a blue moon, our family would get together. And he had this like basement Shangri La video games, and like one of those times that we went out there, he had the Coleco on on display. And we were sitting there playing Mousetrap and some freaking really awesome games on the Coleco. I always remember that. Like, he was over there playing the keyboards, like, with 17 keyboards around him while we are sitting there playing Coleco. Well, that was Brian? Yeah. Yeah, because I never saw that at Brian's. Actually, I never knew anyone who had a Coleco. I got it way later when I started collecting on eBay. I sniped a really low ball. Um, and I got it with two Atom controllers, and I was super stoked because those are hard to find. I was like, fuck yeah, you know, but um, yeah, I, I got it way later, personally. I didn't know Brian had one. He, he must have sold it for, you know, <laughs> other shit. <laughs> for a good weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's our guy. But yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I remember, I think you were even over when I was playing it, but it must have been one of those where you were like... Young. Just, just young and in awe of the, the gaming Shangri-La that we never saw as kids until we went there. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Always really cool stuff. Just what I noticed with Coleco, um, the games were never easy to find. They were always at like, you know, 8 to 
15 to 20 bucks kind of they were never like super cheap if you could find a super cheap one like you better get it if you can find one for two or three bucks you better pick that up because that's not easy to come by that was the one thing that i noticed about coleco you know kind of obscure always cool though great graphics rivaled the 7800 easily you know in my opinion as far as the library too yeah, that's the problem that I have too. It's like some of the more obscure games cost so much. It's you know you think the Nintendo games would be more, and it's interesting when you I mean when you're collecting it, everybody kind of focuses on I think the Nintendo games more than anything, mainly because of the box art. You know, mm-hmm. Coleco had just uh, Upright Arcade on the boxes, which is nothing too exciting about that. So I mean, you can buy your standard games for now for two to five dollars. You know, for whatever donkey kong avenger and things of that nature but as soon as you get out of that one lane of that 1982 stuff i mean that you know cartridges can cost you know 20 30 dollars easily going you know? cabbage patch kids and other stuff like that yeah <laughs> yeah big time and yeah with, with the nes box art and we actually have an episode on that like tricked by the box art you know you thought it was great but I, I was thinking, like, the other day, the NES is, like, the VHS of video games. Because with VHS, the box art in the 80s and the 90s, it was always, like, hand-drawn and super badass, especially with, like, your horror movies, sci-fi. And, you know, yeah. your eye was just drawn to it, you know? And it was like, this has to be good. And then you play it, and, well, yeah, judge for yourself. At least with Atari, <laughs> you knew what you were getting. You knew the graphics yeah. <laughs> were going to be a bunch of blocks. You know? Yes. And I love Tim's book. I mean... Tim has a book out of order of Atari. You know, if, I don't know if you guys have it or not, but I mean, it, the book's amazing. Actually, the people that uh, right next to our building, we're in, we're in New Jersey in Mount mm-hmm. Laurel, and across the street from us is Dynamite Entertainment, who is the distributor on uh, Tim's book. Oh, nice! So I thought that was in shot. Yeah, I walked across the street, introduced myself, and so I seen the book before it went out. You know, about you know maybe a month before it went out, and I'm like, where can I get this? And the guy's like, oh, you got to wait a month. And, uh, <laughs> Now he actually offered to give me a copy, and I was like, "Look, man, I, it looked amazing." I was like, "I'll support it. I'll, I'll buy it." You know, I didn't know how many they were going to sell, but I mean, the guy sold a bazillion of these books, and yeah. you know, trying to catch up, try to get some of these uh, this artwork. I I love Berserk, so I found the guy who has the Berserk Berserk artwork. He had just had it framed, and I was kind of like lightly trying to hint that I wanted to get it from him, and uh, he was like, "Well, you could buy this art over here." You know, and, and you know, I know it's I know it's very valuable, but uh, when people are, are bragging about that, you know, they're not going to give it up. So I no. said, "Hey, look, man, when you uh, when you when you're ready to part with this, I said I will, uh, uh, you know, please give me a call because you got one of my favorite uh, get, uh, games." So it's it's cool. I mean, I think people are going to start, you know, they're collecting games, and now I think they're going to start obviously collecting the artwork, but the uh, the prototypes and things like that. Like I think it's kind of going to you know catch fire. You know, absolutely. With this, uh, everything runs in cycles, man. I thought, you know, I was a big, I was a big GI Joe fan. I knew when it started making its comeback. Mm-hmm. And next was going to be Turtles. It came out, and I told people for years, you know, Power Rangers would come back out. I'd just seen a huge display in Toys R Us. So, I think that you know, things things run in cycles. Of what's what's valuable or not? And I'm glad that you know everybody is finally jumping on these uh, retro games and, and and kind of collecting them and preserving them. You know. Oh yeah, it's it's interesting too because I got into a nice conversation with a antique dealer over here that's local, and he was trying to tell me that everyone's just gonna stop collecting late '80s, early '90s games because it comes in cycles. And he was trying to explain to me logically and comparing video games to like 
cards and like toys and other things like that and i'm like the problem with games is that mario's not going to go away because a new mario game's coming out in 2017 and then people are going to want to play the old stuff too it's like it transcends normal things and it's the same thing with coleco is that coleco has some of those classic arcades on it too and and the quality is a little better than atari 2600 so you got a little more nostalgia that hits i think it's the median you know it's like the the games like you're saying have a longer staying power than regular collectibles because you can actually do something with them rather than just look at them or put them in a binder right and then unless you're a seal collector (laughs) well i'm that too trust me i i collect more than i uh play most of my stuff is sealed but (laughs) we all do (laughs) but it's like kind of collecting vhs's right now nobody wants them you know like you know 15 years now people might start wanting these things you know it's like records i had i had a wall of records that had turntables which I never used <laughs> and um, you know now now nobody you know really wants them or whatever but it's like whatever media right now that they're they're going to collect it in you know it's, you see these little black cartridges from Coleco and Atari they just kind of look like they're clutter and taking up space and nobody wants them and, and now they do um, <laughs> same thing with you know Nintendo games so yeah I'm definitely believe you know setting that aside setting games aside I'm definitely a believer in the cycle like I if you know, I, I know you wrote a book. I wrote a book on uh, GI Joe collecting, and mm-hmm. in, in there are some articles about you know this this process that you know once people turn into their late thirties and forties, they're earning the most money that they they can in their life, so they have disposable income, so they start kind of buying some of the stuff that they remember as a kid. Right. So it usually runs in a cycle of twenty years. So whatever yep. came after Power Rangers will be. You know what's up next you know what's what's next kind of retro thing to, to collect for that generation and then the reason it'll go away i i believe at least personally is that you know you you once you get into your 40s and your 50s and then, then it's like why do i really need this junk sitting around and then then the stuff kind of gets uh you know pushed aside and yep. and then there's kind of a decline in it you know even even cards that went through it you know now it's like 87 was like the junk wax era you know nobody wanted those cards for a while and now that people are starting to collect them differently collecting in the boxes collect the the psa cards i mean psa 10s are just kind of shooting through the roof no matter you know what it was you know so it kind of like you said it kind of runs this uh cycle and eventually like the antique dealer said you know it would kind of run its course but you may be right man and i'm really hoping so because you know games you can do something with them uh and it, you know people are consistently adapting the uh the uh, consoles you know with the with the retron 5 and and, mm-hmm. and you know guys like jf out there making things you can play and uh you know put games onto devices that um you're hitting a certain market that you know somebody can go out and buy a brand new system mm-hmm. and in or a brand new console and then and then play a game you know there's people like us who are seeking these things out and then there's your rest of your consumer base it's like they're not going to go buy used nintendo or coleco to play games they may but they probably you know they won't but if there was something new sitting out they could buy a new console to play old games on then you then then now you have a, a little hit on your hands you know well yeah exactly and the, the one thing I think, though, is that it's not going to be... Like, I think the antique dealer's right, and what you're saying is right, and it's going to be a, like, 
happy medium and you know we got people in chat saying you know how emulation's not 100% correct which he's 100% right it's oh, yeah. not it's never the no. same but i think it's going to be something in the middle because as we get older you know we're going to only want to play those games that we're nostalgic for so basically like these newer 3D ones that you have to dedicate 100 hours to get enjoyment out of um, I think those are going to be the ones that kind of fall to the wayside, but the, you know, the quick play games, you know, your your Donkey Kongs, your Q-Berts, your um, even Super Mario Brothers and games that we have memorized like Zelda and Double Dragon 2 and Ninja Gaiden, like those will be our go-tos, but it won't be necessarily your go-tos or, you know, other people's go-tos. But I, I think that those are going to stick around, but it's not going to be this massive boom either. It's going to be a weird thing. It'll be interesting to see. <laughs> Definitely. So, so Chris, let's let's go far down the beaten path. Right. <laughs> we already went down the beaten path. But um, if anybody has looked up your bio or looked you up online, you did a G.I. Joe book, but you also did a, a Nintendo book, didn't you? Right. Yes. So, so what was your motivation behind the NES book, and have you read the the Amazon review? Because it is it's humorous the troll review that you have on Amazon. Oh, as a one review, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why did I do that? You know, listen, I'm not going to pretend like I have a significant amount of knowledge of video games because I don't. Um, you guys have probably played them all. I haven't. Um, it, toys were rare, and even video games were even more rare yeah. uh, for me to get. I only had a handful of them as a kid. Um, but I knew that, again, there was a cycle, um, and I was starting to get into Nintendo games, and I wanted to do the same thing with the games as I did, you know, where I would have the G.I. Joe books. Uh, so I started compiling a list of all the games that were created, and I wanted to give people a visual pictorial of what they were looking for. I mm-hmm. knew that there would be people out there who were trying to collect the whole set of them, and I knew there was a significant amount, so I started kind of gathering games and, and you know scanning them and whatnot. And after a while, I just realized that like how many there were and yeah. how expensive <laughs> it would be to actually complete the set. For real. Yep. 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 <laughs> so I started hitting up people who had the games and was like, "Hey, listen, you know, can you scan this for me?" And I'm writing this book or whatever. So hey, man, good find because nobody really realized that I did that oh well because like because obviously I had my same idea and you published yours around the same time I published mine and I wanted my own visual one but um yeah it was it was always interesting because like we didn't know each other we didn't know we were doing the same thing at the same time it's just crazy how people have the same mindset and it comes to fruition around the same time it's pretty cool actually yeah, no doubt. Love that and stuff. And the lady that said there, like, there's no articles in the book. This is, you know, not about... Th- uh, look, I, when I wrote... here's, a, oh, was, here's it, a was it a lady? Because I just... Let me see the it's name. Guy lady? I Horse, think Horsehead name. Man. I have it up. It's, oh. it's, it's classic, dude. Oh. You, like, like reading it say? is the funniest thing ever. I forget what it says. What does it say? <laughs> it's a picture of toilet paper. <laughs> like, like oh. I, I've had so many trolls. I have Reddit threads dedicated to my books, so... <laughs> Like it's oh. <laughs> trust me. Um, when I when I first did the GI Joe book, man, like, and and put that out, like, it, I got so much hate, man. Like everybody well, yeah. hated me, and I was like, guys, I like did this, and I would get in, in, in offended, and I would go online and try to defend myself, 
and then you just got and then by the time you do that you have like tw- you deal with one message and you got 26 others you don't and deal yeah no so like after a while like I just find that stuff humorous it unless is. they like hit me up like personal like one guy wrote something personal about me and I know he didn't get the book it was the G.I. Joe book and then mm-hmm. I found his name and I called him on the phone and oh I was like, yeah I was like well you know I was like look I don't mind that you said this stuff about me I was like I said I would appreciate like if you want to say something negative about the body of work that's fine but like you're kind of like insulting me personally yeah no, and we don't um, do that yeah so he actually he was like no you're right he's like and he took it down or whatever uh, so I think on on your I don't have that one up, but I think on the G.I. Joe one they're all really positive. There was just one person that was being negative about page content or something, but I don't even know if that's legit because everybody else said it was great. That particular book, the G.I. Joe book, is printed on demand with a service. Yeah. So when you buy it on Amazon, the lar- there's, there's two versions. If you buy the larger version, which covers more figures, yeah, it gets printed when you order it and it gets shipped to you. So the the it's paper. Expensive. Is yeah, the paper quality is not as good as the one that I printed myself, which is all high gloss. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, like I'm not excited about that, but I can't complain because it gets all around the world, and 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 I don't have to you know print it for people and the people who want to use it or using it for what you said, its purpose, which is identification of accessories. You know, not as like a coffee table book. So if you want that instead. Then, then you buy the the American Hero uh, two in one book, and that one is um, you know amazing print quality or whatnot. And I mm-hmm. printed that myself, so that's the difference between the two of those books. Yeah, and I mean the thing is too is there's always that vocal minority. Yeah, there was a guy who wrote is like I thought this was going to be more descriptive. I wanted you know more story and description. It was like, well, you didn't look into what it really was then. It's a checklist book for people who want to complete all their figures. Yeah. And it's it's the same with the complete NES that Jeff wrote. It's a checklist book, and the people get mad because it's like they want something else. Well, yeah. why didn't you research it and look for something else? They, they want, like, a dissertation on Contra, and I'm like, I just wrote, you know, a paragraph blip it with very little, like, personal in it. But then I have a second book where we do the personal aspects, so it's like... Right. Yeah, because I'm on well, book seven and eight now publishing... <laughs> I mean, there's there's people who write stories, and there's people who have a photographic memory and catalog things. So why not use your talent to what it's best toward? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's all it is. Like, te- some people are completist, and some people want the book for entertainment. You know. So. Yeah. You know, it, it, like, if you want a complete book, you know, you, you, and I'm, a, I'm not saying anybody's is not com- you know complete or whatever, but I mean, Pat did an amazing book and. It's very entertaining to, to read, you know, what what he's got or, and whatnot. But if you just straight at straight out want a checklist, you know, then you you, you know you you might want my book. You know, I you know. So it really depends on, yeah. on what you're looking for as uh, yeah. as um as a book. The community is huge. Like, there's everybody has a merit to want to create content. Like, you can't hate on somebody for doing something they're passionate about. Screw that. Pretty, yeah, pretty let, let me ask you something, because I think I was saying this right, Monument, he had mentioned, mm-hmm. and this this it always kind of interests me, okay? He, he had mentioned that he's he's 21, and the NES is older than him, yes. but his friends, like, it seems to be, people want to go back to that NES, and he's right. It's not easy for people to go back, like, kind of 
beyond that, like Atari yeah. and Coleco. Like, why is that? Well, I know that one thing we've mentioned here on the cast, which we haven't jumped in too much, but basically, my idea is that Nintendo... NES especially, was the first one to really jump in and, and transcend and hit every medium that you have. It's more of a movie style where you have not only your art, which you had in the older stuff, but you also have a, a whole soundtrack, a score. And I think that musical aspect is something you can't discount because that also hits a different niche, a different nostalgia. It hits you on a different level um, than the Atari and things. Because really, like, there was only a handful of games on Atari that had music. Um, Coleco, do you know how many Coleco games had a score? Can't tell you that. Not not a ton. I know, um, uh, like, at 2600, I know Pitfall 2 did, but it was just a little little thing. I think, it, for me, it's the engrossment. Mm-hmm. Like, once Zelda hit, that was it, dude. Well, yeah. Over. And Zelda had Over. the music... It had. It, it sucks you in like hard. It's like okay, if you play like Indiana Jones on twenty six hundred, it doesn't suck you in like Zelda sucks you in. Well, and there's also is when they started <laughs> to have a finite ending to a lot of games. All the games. True, true, true. So like you could have that completion. story. Mm-hmm. That's the other, it sucks you in. Yeah, the beginning has a story. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're just looking for some random objects. You don't even know what they are, unless you have a manual. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's the um, <laughs> it's the difference between the arcade and the console gaming started with the NES. So, like, basically, you have those games that are specifically developed to give you a console experience. The the one thing with Nintendo, which they started to mitigate with Super Nintendo, and then later with current gen, is with Nintendo they were hitting also a rental market. So they would make games hard purposely so you couldn't beat it in a weekend rental. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So you get your $50 worth, too. Yes. When you go to KB or whatnot, you know? Exactly. I and beat it one day. You know? I, I think that's kind of why people go back. And then NES, of course, as I mentioned, you have your Mars, your Zeldas. Like, there's a new Zelda out right now. Like, they're... Now, now I want to go play the original Legend of Zelda. Well, they buy a Nintendo or get the NES Classic if they can find it. <laughs> There's an endearing aspect through the ages. Yeah. And, I mean, we talked about actually last week, like, Nintendo literally had their name, their art plastered on everything. I have a Zelda trash can from the 80s. Like, it was on everything. everywhere. Just like Turtles. Just like Turtles. And G.I. Joe. Marketing, man. <laughs> and. That's how you just it's just put. Got to amp up that marketing game over here, and you know we'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where like Nintendo always killed like every other system is that they always had that crazy marketing. Like you didn't see that from Sega back in the day. Um, Atari now, you know, has the crazy marketing. Now you see Pac-Man on everything too. Like you see that everywhere. But um, right. some of the other bigger like I mean, we're about to see Qbert. I think in one of those um toy collections now with Dig Dug and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and as um, Larry said in chat, internet does help too. Um, Madamon said that he found a DS with Mario Kart um, and then of course the blow up of YouTube was people our age talking about nostalgia like angry video game nerd and he's talking about NES because he was the angry Nintendo nerd to start with. So, I mean, that helped because he's got huge. And it was it was interesting. Uh, Chris, did you know that Classic Game Room just did a book last week? 
No. So so he literally, I don't know if he didn't coordinate with anybody or he thought that his, because he has a giant subscriber group, that he thought that was going to go farther, but he literally put a week on his Kickstarter and $35,000 to do a book that had covered 70 consoles and was 300 pages. Okay. How um, did you do? It, it, it funded well? Bombed. No. Not really? even 50% funded. He canceled it. Um, he didn't do any pre-marketing. He just assumed he'd post a video and all his fans would go and it would, you know, get funded. And I don't know, like, like the thought behind that. Like, why wouldn't you want to put it out there for a month to let everybody enjoy? Mm-hmm. Like, he would have, he would have been funded at that point if he would have put it out for a month. No, no doubt he would have been funded. He might have been double or triple his goal. Yeah, I mean, when you market something, you know, you definitely gotta uh, go and hit all of your. Uh, you got to get your PR out, man. You got to get uh, your grassroots following. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, jump on podcasts of other people's, and and you have to spread the word, um, you know, to get to get something. You know, just like we're doing with this convention. You know, kind of go as far as almost spamming and, and you know, go, talking with people on Twitter and answering their questions, and uh, but also getting it out through products out through people who are going to play with him a little bit you know maybe if he you know, whoever no, and I don't know the guy so I don't mean any disrespect you know get you parts of the books get you talking about it get mm-hmm. you know whoever uh, other YouTubers people in the UK talking about it um, and, and that's kind of when I launch something that's the benefit we have right now is you know, I've contacted people all over the world right now man and, and just in every country that you name it I got them in my phone and um, just got a great network to to launch information and to get it out, you know? Yeah, it's just that comes with experience too. Like you, you know how to, you know, do it basically. And you know, it's the same thing. Like I've done a few campaigns too and I know that you can't just launch it and expect it to, to go. It takes work. It's a full-time job. That's, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like for sure. Um, and there, there's no way that um, you can just up and loaded up and uh, the other thing though that I've noticed which I don't know if Clico's hit it but um and JF might be able to you know say in chat too if he's seeing it but I've noticed a huge downturn on um Nintendo homebrews especially with how many are selling and in the niche niche community and like because people like used to do I don't know, 100 game runs, and they would sell out immediately. And now, like, I see 100, 100 run games, and there's still copies available on forums and things. I just... Are they any good or no? That, I think that's part of it. And I was chatting with somebody yes, the other day. Definitely. <laughs> is that, like, you have your cornball cocksuckers games that come out, which is a complete joke cartridge, right. but they're doing a full release on it. And oversaturation may be a thing because basically you're like having this where the guys are releasing multiple releases in a month, and then some of the guys that were you know enjoying getting a game every month or two, now they're like, man, there's fucking four games. And then once you stop, you, it's easy to just not get back on. <laughs> that's like I said, man. That's why I kind of want to be involved. If it's a Coleco game, like I'd like to say, hey, listen, you know, this is just Nintendo had to steal of approval. Yeah, exactly. And if it was something that somebody said, "Hey, look, I got these games for this system," you know, let's you you want to make sure that whatever you put out is 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 a quality game, and you know it works properly. Obviously, so if you have everybody making Nintendo games without you know with reckless abandon, mm-hmm. where everybody's you know taking everybody else's 
you know, IP or the, and, and they're slapping stuff together, it's not going to turn out right. You need kind of that forum that says this is the standard and you will be able to, you know, continue the market with it is at least yeah. my understanding of it. Well, my thoughts are, and I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for it, but um, in my NES Oddities book, which is NES Oddities and the Homebrew Revolution, and mine's 500 pages. I'm covering every Nintendo Homebrew. There's over 500 in my book because the research okay. on this shit's been crazy. I'm actually going to put a symbol of the ones that are like a games to get type thing because there's a right. lot of demos out there a lot of games that are just not full Nintendo games and what I want to do is I might just use my Hagen's Alley logo I haven't decided yet but um, basically put those on the games that are these are the ones that you need to get and like a, and I'll put it in the key or something um, and everything else is like if you're a completionist it's there but right. Like, that's my thing, though. You got so many of these games. We, we were talking about this game, uh, Season 1 of VGBS. We're in Season 3 now. Um, season 1, we are talking about this game called Beer Slinger. And it's literally you're doing uh, a different version of um, Tapper, except for its top-down view, and they're talking to you. But the problem is, is they didn't even make it a full game. It's like, I beat it the first time, all the way through. It doesn't keep rolling over. There's no high score. There's none of that craziness. And it was like a complete miss. And I talked with the, the programmer. And he was like, yeah, I just wanted to make something. I don't I don't need it to be a complete game. <laughs> like, I, it blew my mind. I read, his, I read his email on air. And I was like, this is insane to me. Like, you're creating something that's going into the history of the Nintendo. And you don't care enough to put it as a full game. And I, I think you're right where it's like a lot of people are out there just... And, and as you said, though, like it's difficult to program on these on these systems, so it's it's one of those things. But then you got guys out there like JF of doing Sydney Hunter and doing other crazy games, and you got guys out there too like Joe Granada who's literally trying to do the next Legend of Zelda, right? <laughs> and like I I played because he just released the beta for Mystic Search's Origins or Mystic Origins or however he's calling it, and it's freaking awesome. Um, but the one thing that Modamont's saying in chat is that with the oversaturization as well, we're also seeing that on modern indie retro, like Shovel Knight, and, you know, Shovel Knight hit the bar up super high, and everybody and their mother's doing these retro, using quotation fingers, retro games, and I think that could cause a lot of burnout in the general consensus, because us collectors, we're going to eat that shit up. But the guys that are 21, that the system's older than, you're only going to have a few that are going to stick around. It'll be interesting now. So one thing you mentioned was uh, with, with Coleco, right? You said the Coleco seal of approval type thing, right? Right. So, so let's pick your brain. And I know, Kyle, um, I had this at the bottom of my, uh, my list that I wanted to ask. Let's pick your brain about the, the Coleco chameleon fiasco. Sure. And let me uh, set a little wallpaper. Um, with my first book, uh, The Complete NES, I had a Nintendo homebrew associated with it, which the guy's still working on it. It's an RPG where you collect games, collect Nintendo games in the RPG. Um, I had a retro VGS port on my Kickstarter. So I know Mike Kennedy real well. Um, he tried to get me once the retro VGS um, f- failed. 
um, and he was going to rebrand. He wanted me to get on board with that one. I said, you know what? We'll wait until it's established and we can release it later or something. But right now, I can't dedicate any resources to that. Um, so I have a little bit of involvement, but I like cut, I cut, uh, you know, the the string away before he went to Coleco. But um, I know Gamester and you know JF they kind of stuck with it with Tiny Knight was going to be a launch title. So so what are you, what what what's your story? We we got to hear it from from Coleco because I know like what I've seen quoted from Coleco, but I'd like to hear your side. Sure. Um, I, I did a whole podcast with Willie at mm-hmm. the time of this. Absolutely. Uh, so if you want to know exact if you want to know exact timelines. You know, this is probably this is over a year ago, mm-hmm. so I would, I would definitely listen to that for anybody who's really interested to get an exact timeline. Um, when, when I got involved with Coleco, like I said, I did extensive research and I called people in all around the world, collected information about, you know, what would really be of major interest to this community, because I got involved and I wanted, to, I wanted this to be something where people can get involved with not in you know for instance you have like nintendo and who's notoriously doors closed you know mm-hmm. it's very hard to get in touch with with them and talk with somebody and that's fine that's how they run their business i wanted to involve everybody so the two main concepts that came about were obviously the minis and the concept of this new console that can play games forward and backward mm-hmm. and I started kind of working on the two parts uh, and came across a guy who was involved with the community of Coleco and he connected me to Mike Kennedy. He said, well, if you're looking to do that, he's like, there's a guy that has this item being developed and you might want to talk with him right now. He actually gave me two names Mm -hmm. and one of them was Mike Kennedy and I talked with him and I said look this is what I'm trying to do he said well I got something even better and, and you can play multiple platforms on it I said sure that's that sounds you know like something that we definitely want to have so we worked out an agreement and I had already signed up for Toy Fair at mm-hmm. that time it, it's first thing I did when I got involved with, with Coleco was sign up for Toy Fair um, because I knew that's where all the toy industry was, and I needed to be there. I had no idea what I was going to take there. I was pretty much going to take Coleco stuff and talk with people and see what I could, you know, jump aboard and invest in and be a part of. Makes sense. Um, and Mike hit me up with that, and I said, "All right, well, let's, you know, maybe we can show that." And the, in in it, it, it uh, the toy fair, say this is what we're working on is a, is a prototype. So the idea was to provide a working prototype. The again, like I said, the grassroots following the PR that we had involved in this pushed it so far. I had no idea that when we released this information, hey, this is what we're doing, that it would catch fire so quickly. Yeah. Like it made it around the world. We had something like three hundred million measurable impressions on the articles that we put out, the, the press that we put out, mm-hmm. and it was just it was like, insane. Oh my god, it was you couldn't have asked for anything better. We were literally trending number one on Facebook, mm-hmm. and 
it, it was like between and, and we were number two for like the whole day because like Elliot Spitzer did something crazy that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we eventually overtook the Elliot Spitzer story, and like <laughs> we were just like jumping up and down celebrating. Um, so that obviously at the at the toy fair we put it out. Now, you know, the question has like always been, you know, what what you know, what do you know? When do you know it? Type of thing. I'm not oh, a programmer. Sure. I'm not a hardware programmer. I don't, you know, I don't. I'm looking at a prototype, put in it in a, a, a Clio game. It works, okay. And then we took one out, and we and they put in. Um, there's one gentleman there. I don't know if he wants me to mention who he, who he was, but he happened to have a game he was working on. I know who that it was. Was I, right. I'll, I'll so, mention him so you don't have to. All right. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was Eli from Pico Interactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great guy. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture no, I, of him with it, like on Facebook. So it's not like it's yeah. He um he's an amazing guy, by the way. Very honest dude, and mm-hmm. and, and 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 he and I talk a lot, and he gives me advice. Um, Absolutely, a very forthright individual. But he had happened to have a, a game he was working on that was on an SENS, you know, NES. Uh, I think I think part. was it a um it was a Jim Power prototype. Yeah, it right? was Jim Power. Yeah, because he was because later on after this he was trying to um get me to associate Jim Power with my Super Nintendo book I was releasing and I was still waiting on the Nintendo homebrew to get done so I'm like I'm not associating another game and I think he's a little mad that I wouldn't do it but yeah it was Jim well, Power. He he just <laughs> released a project or whatnot like a Christian uh, package of games. Yep. Uh, he put out and he he got he funded and he's doing well. Oh yeah. Um, so the he they took the game out. There was a, a, a prior, prior game playing. Logged in the gym power, and I was like, and it worked. And I was like, shit, the system's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Play so so you, so you literally saw like three different games get swapped and played, like interactively. Nothing really weird to it. And no, I mean, it was well. It, the first game was kind of bugging out. Like it was meant for at least my understanding. And again. You know, it, my understanding was that it was a clear game. It certainly looked different than, than than the Jim Power game. Sure. So you put it in. It was kind of bugging. Like it would play, and then the system would kind of like restart. Mm-hmm. So it was like okay, and and uh, Eli happened to be there, and he's like, all right, well, you know, I have this because we needed we had it playing and it would play and then the system would kind of crap out and we knew we had I mean we had press set up we had appointments with everything and we're like okay yeah so let what else works on it so it was like all right so I figured it was probably the game you know that was there was something bug in the game that it would re, you know it would bug out so he put the other game in and, and I was like this is exactly what it was supposed to do it was literally what the system was supposed to do yeah um, so well, and, by- and to, to your defense, which knowing prototypes and things, there's going to be bugs, right? It's not going to be perfect. Like it should bug out. It's not the final version. Like like you hope it doesn't, but like you hope it's stable enough to run. But I know talking with other people that have shown off things like the worst possible stuff always happens at the worst time. It's just how it works. Oh, it's yeah. Murphy's law, Absolutely. man. Like yep. so, yeah. so you got no like from your from your story here, your perspective. Like that's like you're not the programmer. There's no way you knew. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what I'm looking at. I mean, I don't. I've never cracked <laughs> open a Nintendo and looked at it. I don't know. I mean, yeah. look, right now I know to do that. So right now I know. To, if it was to, the innards of a GI Joe box, you you would have known. 
I would definitely know if yeah. it was real of course. <laughs> You're just a passionate it. gamer on that side. You're not the engineer of the gaming. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm not – I always said I take responsibility for anything I should have known or would have known or whatever. I mean, well, still, sh- sure, still you, chalked up as an L for Coleco, no doubt. Well, I'm not it, you're stuck. You're stuck myself. with you're stuck with that. But the the fact is, is that you got the wool pulled over your eyes a little. Sure. I think Kennedy did. I don't see. The thing I, is, I honestly like, think so too. A little bit from seeing his because he wouldn't have continued to engage if he. Didn't like he wouldn't have engaged with these the people on because it was Atari age the forums that were going crazy, and he wouldn't have continued if he if he knew. There's no way he would have continued. He would have just disappeared. First. He he one. I think what happened with that was he was being given misinformation, and what the thing with him is that he was attempting to explain the system like he knew, like he, oh this, well, is, what the doing. this is how it works. This is how it goes. And I'm like, in, in when I was asked questions, I wouldn't answer them. I'd say, look, I don't really know how the innards work. You know, talk to Mike. And I think that had he, been, you know, I honestly think, I don't think he, he, he was being told something, he's repeating it rather yeah. than knowing it for himself. And there's, you know, there's not necessarily nothing wrong with that, but I think that's why he took, I think that's why he took the heat. So I, you think a lot of people give him a lot more credit and the technical expertise than he had he was just reading what the te- what the text gave him and they said hey use this because wasn't it like um there was a certain weird power supply or there was something like interesting in the back they were like maybe it was the yeah video so that was the or... thing where he, he, the pictures were taken That's and the power what... cord coming out was apparently how the nes Super NES was configured. See, so when yeah. you're playing an NES base game, it was configured this way. Now, this is stuff that came about like at the end of the show. The guy, you know, another guy who was advising me pulled me aside and said, "Look, this is." He's like, "He's like, I don't know. This is what's being said." And I was like, "Well, did you look at this? I mean, is this legit? Like, what's the deal?" He's like, "Look, I don't know." He's like, "But." <laughs> And I said, are you sure that these people who are saying this could determine this from power cord coming out of the back? And he, he's like, look, I can't really tell you that. He's like, my only concern is that the fact that the controller wires are hardwired. He's like, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, the power supply, you know, it could be whatever, you know. Um, yeah. But, but as far as, as that goes, and that's when everything was like, okay, let's figure out what the hell is going on. We need to inspect this. We need to find out what's going on, mm-hmm. which we did immediately after the show. If you look at the Facebook well, post, all actually, that stuff is stuff that I personally put up. So, so when uh, I looked at all the posts, how I saw it was is that – and I didn't even know you were at the fair with Mike. But how I saw it was is like, all right, Mike you got something weird here basically wasn't it like a super nintendo mini in a box or whatever it was but i was like got it um and coleco says you need to prove that it's real now right i want to see pictures i saw it like as coleco says do it or we're pulling out <laughs> like that's how i saw it like it was it was more like all right coleco's pissed mike you need to fix this at the time like i kind of <laughs> felt bad because you know what a lot of times people don't understand is like you said there's an so we decide to me and 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 you decide to make I don't know a website anything we draw up an agreement this is what we're gonna do you're gonna develop the website blah 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 well it, the website's not gonna work on day one no. so it was like I, I was like well this guy's getting hammered and he all he had he's supposed to be working on 
prototype. It's not necessarily something that we said, hey, this is done. No Kickstarter was was commenced. Mm-hmm. The agreement clearly spelled out that a working prototype would have to be arranged before that. And, yes. and so there, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, this was fraudulent or this, that. No, it, not, it, we never said, hey, we're going to take orders from something that doesn't work. It was... Yeah. Um, it was is is in process of being developed now. The fact that this news went all around the world in 23 seconds kind of pushed that envelope. Like, yo, we have to have something because you know people are expecting to to have something. Yeah, you're number one trending on Facebook. You're gonna get a lot of the vocal yeah. minorities getting bigger. <laughs> right, and I didn't. And and I did. I, still to that point, I didn't know. And I said, all right, well, we need we need to know, and we need to go in and talk with these. Uh, developers and I needed to see what's in it. I didn't, I honestly, pr- assuming for a second that the system had worked legitimately, right? I really didn't think, let's say me and you, got, uh, you, you develop a, a working NES game playing system, blah, blah, blah. And you're, you're putting your effort, your, your money, your hard work. I'm, I'm backing, you know, backing the thing with the name. It, it wouldn't be fair for the general public to say, well, we want to see what's in it. You know, so I didn't at the time I didn't necessarily think that was fair no. um, to him if it was legitimately working because I don't know there could be parts in it that people could copy or whatever and he'd be out in you know, China all of a sudden has a work? bunch of yeah. clones yeah oh, I'm with so you. I felt bad but then then when I got all the data man I had people calling me and being like look I know it's I know it's this I know the people who are developing it mm-hmm. and you know it's just not going to work um, was the guy developing was it Kevtris? I don't think the so. Guy's name. I, Cause, cause, I never got because the like, guy who developed was developing the FPGA core. They had an issue before your the toy convention, and he pulled out. And that guy actually worked on the new Analog NT Backbone FPGA, and now you can play every that game on the Nintendo Analog. It's insane what he did. But, I don't um, want to name names, but in Mike, Mike did post something up at one point. It, it was posted, yeah. That's I'm, yeah, I'm it, just it, I'm it talking about it posts. I have no it, <laughs> it was another uh, individual who he says, but I did. I've I've, I've, I've emailed Kevtris. Well, well um, Kevtris no, wasn't the one who made the prototype. Yeah, no, I'm saying I have no. I don't think he, he was involved in that command, and, and I have no issues with him whatsoever. Uh-uh. I, I actually tried to hit him up for advice on it. I didn't. He seemed to kind of want to, you know, keep to himself or whatever. But I did reach out because at the time, you know, mm-hmm. he's one of the respected individuals, and and, and I wanted to hit him up. Uh, well, I think so the community was mad that Kevtris pulled out. Oh, okay. Because he was involved somehow, and then something happened, and they basically he pulled out of the project because of something that was happening. But the uh, only thing that never made sense from my perspective is that from what I was told and what you could see from the screens and the way that they said things were being turned on, like that that basically it was an EverDrive on a Super Nintendo, which had to be loaded with a, um, a menu screen. So like the menu screen that was used in the Chameleon at the Toy Fair was literally a menu that was either an SD-SNES or Super Everdrive in a in the Super Nintendo because it was like a Super Nintendo Mini in there. So, okay. like knowing that and assuming that you know 
Kennedy knew what that was. Like, I, I don't know if he's necessarily 100% like didn't know what it was. You, on the other hand, I could see that because you may not even have been paying attention. <laughs> but Kennedy, like, he had to have been instructed how to do it. Like, I, I don't know. But, how to operate the menu, you mean? Exactly. And the menu, like, they were just saying, like, that's it was an SDS NES. Like flash cartridge. Yeah, it's like if I was going to um, hire somebody to build a car, you know, I don't know how engines work. So you put in the engine, and mm-hmm. if the engine works, it works. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, that's a Toyota engine, and he ripped the part off. I don't know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, what 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 makes something work? I don't I don't really know how that goes down mm-hmm. and, and obviously yeah now that's something that I want to look at and this is it's obviously strange coming from me because you know I'm always the first one to look at you know music you know is it somebody else own it we can't use this uh, you know there's a logo or a, I can't put a Pac-Man on this somebody else's that can't use it well, you know? sure. so uh, you know I'm, I'm very kind of stringent on that so you know yeah maybe at one point somebody look at it and and when the capture card came out in in the packet, then either like you guys said, oh yeah, either that Kennedy was knew or it was just like that was the point. And 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 I felt kind of a sense of relief because it wasn't like this half working thing. It was like legitimately like this is just junk thrown together to make it look like something. Well, um, and like I think that one Kennedy could have just been the the guy the engineer that was doing it could have just sent him that as a picture and said oh here it is and sent him a picture like it may not even been kennedy taking the picture could have just been the engineer giving oh no yeah he got that from the developer and they could have been like or you could have been the other thing is you could have been forcing the guy look i need something i need something the guy's like look i can't i can't i can't and he's like hey look i need something and they're like all right well screw you here's a picture you know what i mean like that Mm -hmm. you know that crossed my mind too but at that point like it didn't matter we had to we had to pull the oh yeah project there was there was you know, a witch hunt at that point, man. It was there was no no going back from that. It was just yeah, and the thing is is now talking with Pico before the Super Nintendo and the him saying that there was a Jim Power ready to go for Super Nintendo that was already basically programmed. So basically the cartridge he brought to Toy Fair was a Jim Power Super Nintendo cartridge <laughs> with the Coleco thing taped over. Because I remember somebody showed the picture of it. It was like the shells were like taped over it, which is like craziness. And there's no way you guys would have known that. But like he made If I remember that. it was there was no case if I remember correctly, there was no case on it when he plugged it in. It yeah. was like the little ROM card. Yeah, well and the thing was though is that when and to, to Pico's defense and even to, to Kennedy's like it was supposed to work like you could bring the Super Nintendo cartridge right. and somehow it would translate and I wasn't sure what right. kind of boards he was going to use he may have been planning to use Super Nintendo boards in it and the FPGA would have read it and you could have flashed Nintendo on the Super Nintendo board that they're custom making like that's kind of how he explained it to me so even it being a Super Nintendo could have made sense for the prototype believe it or not it's just that they didn't and i think that was what you were saying it was mike kennedy's detriment that he wasn't as intimate with the project that he could have explained that to the witch hunt that was going on who knows the truth you know who who knows i know i could tell you that 
and I have talked to Kennedy, you know, since that, and mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, the guy feels you know real bad, you know, and yeah, he's like, oh, you you, you want to talk to me? I'm like, yeah, man, like, hey, look, man, things you know don't didn't happen the way they're supposed to. I mean, you know, and um, I know he 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 does feel like you know horrible about it. Yeah, that was I could tell you, whether or not people want to believe it or not, and I and I know that he's not the most popular guy uh, in the community, but I judge people, you know, one on one basis, you know, and and oh, exactly. that's why I'm usually reluctant to throw names out. You know, I don't individually have a, a problem with anybody unless there's a concern, and I try to work through it. You know, I kind mm-hmm. of judge everybody. Um, in in this this whole gaming thing, man, it, it is crazy because. There's there's like teams, man, and, and it's like one guy versus the other, and <laughs> and I just you know I, I try to I try to be fair with I'm with you, man. Anybody that I talk to, you know, even if you said something negatively about me or whatever you put on your podcast, you trounce me. Nah. Like I'm still gonna, you know, I'll, I'll still that's your opinion. Again, like I said, as long as you're not attacking me personally you know you want to i put something out you want to call it a big ball of crap hey that you you <laughs> are oppressed and your opinion matters in the grand scheme and, and i may be upset at first but now i got to go back to the drawing board and and make sure that you know your you, your your qualms are uh are, are considered and um that's the best way to do it though is that anybody yeah. who who is analytical or judgmental? Like you just have to take everything with a grain of salt because everybody's judging, but you're not going to judge unless you care. Yes, and it hurts initially, but you know always. you 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 move on and you just take inventory, uh, and and also know that you can't please everybody. You know, it's Hell like no. it was first got in this, and it's like I was trying to do 15 projects, and now I'm just kind of focused on a couple and. And, and you know do it that way and, and people write in oh can you remake you know these whatever hey man that's what figures. everybody says <laughs> yeah or like starcom can you put the oh that'd be great if you just re-release this and, and when you do it can you make this a girl and make her wear a purple outfit i'm like what's well, just not that easy you just don't you know did you just click your fingers like, and go all right it's done yeah <laughs> you get it's made like people still write in like oh i had this cabbage patch and it's missing the bottle you know can i send in for like a new piece and i'm like no try ebay and see. <laughs> you're but, like you we're clicking holdings <laughs> yeah let me i try well i usually just try to find it on ebay and link them or whatever and, uh you know and, and go from there but yeah we it's what we're trying to do yeah focus on it's the one things. thing a lot of people forget this Coleco is big <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cabbage Patch is a huge thing with Coleco. Sanity. I think it's a good, um, good topic because basically you got about a a year now since it's happened, and we can look back at it and say, "All right, so that stuff was crazy, but here's the thing." And so the fact that I think people were giving Kennedy a little too you know too much leeway because he was engaging as he was and telling people what he's been told i i think that he they kind of let him out you know let him out to pasture mm-hmm. and he basically was getting the runaround from somebody which i remember the name but i wouldn't call it the name either um the person that was his right. engineer but um yeah i i think that it was it was a little unfortunate situation yeah 
for sure. Yeah, I think and that's not confirmed either. Maybe he knew 100%. Maybe he didn't. You know, I don't. I don't know. Could be. Um, I hope for his sake that you know he's he's cleaner than we think. Um, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I mean he could also you know the whole EverDrive menu thing that I was mentioning. Like he may not have even known that either. Who's to say? Right. Um, give us a story about like how you bought Coleco or like how you talked to the big man and gotten gotten involved with the whole you know Coleco Holdings deal. Pretty cool. Yeah, honestly, it was. I. I I love the I love the brand. Obviously, a lot of people do, yeah. and you know, not taking away from anybody else because there's a lot of people who are big fans and maybe even bigger than than I am. Um, but I have a background in in marketing. I've mm-hmm. have a number of companies, and I wanted to be reinvolved with the Coleco brand. So I hit up Mark, and I said, "Look, man, like I really want to be a part of this." And I want to show you kind of what I can do. Um, so I started saying I'll work for free on my own dime and promote on my own dime. And I want to show you that I can get an awareness going. You know, even even stupid things. Hey, let me let me start talking to people. Let me build up your Facebook. Let me build up your Twitter. Let me you know rework on a site. Let me start doing some research on some projects. And I got to the point where we became very happy with that. And I said, hey, listen, you know, I'd like to, you know, buy into what you're doing here. If that's a possibility. And then we talked for a couple weeks and he said, you know, you're right. I'd, I'd really like a partner. And, and you seem, you know, excessively uh, in love with the brand. And, and, and that's, you know, somebody that I want to have uh, on the team. And I said, OK, cool. So we kind of drew up an, an agreement. Um and that it was as simple as that, man. I mean, I just nice. was like, okay, here's my investment, and in, in the way we go. You were just like in the right place, right time. And the thing is, is that yeah, there's always going to be somebody out there that's more hardcore than the next. Right. But you have that combination of love for Coleco combined with the marketing experience. Right, that's the key. It's like right. like me jumping into um you know publishing books. I've been going since 2012, or that went from like websites and writing for online publications and things to doing my own book thing. And it's just because I know the marketing background now that I you know can take it more seriously than you know somebody else who wants to do a one week launch with making triple what everybody else is making. Like I mean, I yeah. know what it takes. And yeah. and we're genuine about it too. That's the other aspect. Like it's you know just going out there and producing cool stuff. <laughs> That's what we got to do. Exactly.
games as far as like the unreleased ColecoVision games because yes. I heard there were a few found. Like Learning with Fuzzy Womp, which was only released on Apple II in the 80s. I heard that was adapted by Nice Ideas in France. Um, also an unreleased ColecoVision game, supposedly. This is like January 1st of 2017. This was from Atari Age, actually. One called Fireworks Factory, and it's actually um, the final version of the game Fireman, which is different than the original one. So that's another interesting thing. And also, I've heard Collector Vision has acquired Power Lords, Quest for Vulcan, and Ooh. Adventures of the Pink Panther. That's exciting. So, and and so yeah, hopefully, you know, Collector Vision, if if they might have somebody possibly listening in right now on the podcast, might get with Chris and get okay. a, maybe a seal of approval. You know, that might be a good idea. <laughs> small small world. So if you look at the chat right there, yeah. JF saying, yes, definitely true. I posted this. So he's the one who posted this in Atari Age. That's crazy. Okay. So we're going to make physical releases of those games. Hell <laughs> fucking yeah. That's badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a small group of enthusiasts called the ColecoVision Brotherhood, and they're basically behind these future releases. So thank you, thank you. And I, as far as like other questions, just um, randomly, um, as far as toys go, and even games. So when you got your first ColecoVision, you you got it in the box. So did it come with Donkey Kong? Was that your first ColecoVision game? As far as memories go, yeah, that. It came in a box, but my first game itself was Ladybug. So I Ladybug, got that yes. in the system at the same time. It's definitely okay. one of the, the best. I mean, it's it's like Pac-Man, but 100 times better. You know? Well, because you get a little bit more manipulation of the maze. You get to manipulate the maze. You have other things you need to do. Collect Well, obviously, you collect cherries in Pac-Man, but it, a lot more strategy where you could make the monsters go where you want them to go. You can eat yeah. their little fruit. You, know, you get bonus boards. You have to collect you know, there's a timer. So basically, you start the game, and, and you and one monster comes out, or animal, or whatever he is, bug. I think they are really. Um, so the timer goes around the, the outside of the board, and then once it reaches the complete circle, and the next bug comes out, and it chases you, and so on and so forth. There's about six bugs on the screen, and then they chase you around the board as you're collecting, you know, little X's. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to avoid skulls. You can get killed, uh, and then you can eat their fruit. Uh, you could you you have to spell out words by collecting little special letters and um, so yeah I mean it was is a lot more involved in Pac-Man it played a lot better uh, so that was exciting that that particular game so so one gaming question that I actually had on the list that we didn't get to um with your uh, you mentioned when you were doing your NES book that you had a couple people that you contacted. What, what can you tell us about uh, Tim Atwood? I don't even know if Kyle knows who Tim Atwood is. I mean, he, we, we he were chatting. Good. We were chatting about him for a while. He's one of your contributors on your book, but yeah, no, oh, no, six I, sealed stadium events guy. Sealed okay. stadium events guy. Exactly. Go. Google machine. <laughs> I tell you what, he had the most pristine games <laughs> yes. out of anybody, uh, and I think I contacted him at the right spot because. Some of the stuff I got from him, I graded like I don't know which one it was, but I got I got it. I know I got a Zelda, a Punch Out, and I got a um, Double Dragon. And I know one of them, one or two of them was graded a ninety, and the other one was graded an eighty-five. And 
I think people went with their prices on eBay are just like out of their their minds. Yeah. I don't think they're worth that much, but they're they're not. But, right, but I do have those super high grades from him, um, and you know I started buying games, and then after a while I I asked him to scan the you know some pictures or whatever, and yeah. I was like, look, you know, he's like, what are you gonna do with this? I, don't, I said, a lot of these I didn't care about because I don't care about like Big Bird's Adventure. You know what I mean? Like, well, exactly. I was just gonna sell it anyway. So I was <laughs> like, like I'll give. I was like, look, man, I give you a couple bucks for each one that you can scan or whatever, and you know, because I, I was was interested in the the correctness of the information. Like anybody can go online and like kind of you know download pictures but you don't know if people mess with the pictures if the games really exist or whatever so i unequivocally wanted to know hey these games existed and then you know so i got his collection and then and then what i had and then i went and you know did additional research and found whatever games and and as it was getting near like some of the crazy stuff i would say I don't remember what games they were, but I would hit people up on eBay that would have it and say, "Hey, look, man, can I just get a you know, can I just get a scan of uh, this?" Which you know, maybe part of that's a little bit cheating. Um, you know, most of the stuff mm-hmm. I, all, anything else I've ever done, like stuff that I've owned. Um, but at the same time, man, like I, I just I wanted to get it correct, and I wanted to get the best version of. The picture that I could possibly get. Yeah, for everybody, it, it's you know? it's definitely not cheating. It's it's research, and as long as you know people are cool with it, it's it's a hundred percent legit. Oh yeah, I yeah. would I would definitely give them. I, there might be some other people. Some people didn't care that I mentioned or whatever, and some people would give me the stuff for free. Some people would take the yeah. whatever five ten dollars or whatever I was offering, um, but it had to be you know a, a good scan, and and so I kind of lucked out uh, in, in there, but At, Atwood is a really cool individual. I chat with him sometimes um, about other stuff uh, yeah. that's going on. and, and um, He got so much flack because basically, like, he's a collector. He, he actually has cases. That's why his stuff's so pristine is that the games you got from him, he literally pulled them out of, like, a case. And yeah. people were giving him crap because he's like, well... You know, if, if you guys are doing crazy stuff with statements, I'll just, you know, kill the market. And, like, I mean, that's his prerogative. He collected them. Like, I had no problem with it. And it, yeah. I, I think it's hilarious because there's so many people out there that are collecting for the wrong reasons. And I think Tim's just, you know, OCD like the rest of us and enjoys it for what it is. And it's just, it's, it's hilarious to see, like, the different types of backlashes you see in the different communities. Yeah, you're right. I mean, some people get mad because they're still no. You should open them and and whatnot. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) I had I posted a picture of a sealed Smurf case, and I was like, should I open this? And like, I knew people were like, what are you nuts? And some people like, yeah, open it up and do this. And I'm like, I'm not opening this stuff up. I'm just messing with you guys. Like, hell no, I'm not opening a sealed case of 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 whatever I you know at the time was Smurfs, but I've sealed cases of Coleco games. Um, But hey, look, you know if. You know, there's plenty of Smurf games that you can buy and play um, without opening a sealed case. There's another kid out of Canada named like Dov or something like that. I think Dov, Dov M or something. He had uh-huh. stumbled across a huge collection. It was right when it was heating up. He he offloaded a ton of sealed stuff, and that's then after after that is when they started kind of grading them or whatever. 
So I think he kind of, I don't know if anybody's aware of him. He, he doesn't, he doesn't like, he's not a, he doesn't really care other than the fact that he found this huge, massive lot of them. And mm-hmm. uh, he kind of put a lot of sealed stuff out in the circulation. So I kind of give him a bit of credit for that. Badass. Well. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's just yeah. one of those things where it's like hilarious. I saw like Tim Atwood was part of your book, and the thing was is that like I remember um, after my book was published, I came across yours and like on just on Amazon, and I didn't put mine on Amazon until I think this year because I mean I self-publish. I don't put them on. I don't do print on demand. I just print what I can, and that's it. Um, and I saw that, and like we thought that the troll review was hilarious because it, the guy obviously was just didn't read the description, and <laughs> and like then today looking at it, I'm like Tim Atwood, where's that familiar from? And I'm like, oh, that's the sealed guy. So I was like, yes, I can ask you about Tim and see your story like behind him. It was like I've heard that from a lot of people. He's a cool dude, and like he basically, if you're not cool with him, he's he's not gonna sell you a game, which is which is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, he didn't seem to need what was there, and no. you're right. I mean, it was. I think I think you're right because I think he sold me. I, I don't know if he sold. Like he asked a lot of questions before he would sell me something. You know, that and makes I think sense. He realized that I was going to keep what it was and what I was going to do with it, and, and that like honestly, like there are collectors. Like I just like I said, I had one guy today that wrote me, and I have these figures, and he bought five and he's like do you have any more of these and i was like what are you doing him?" he's like well i was gonna make this diorama and i was like whatever i was like i'll just give you the rest of them i don't you know like i've done that where depending on who it is um you know as collectors it's like i had stuff and he's i have stuff where you know you sell it to a certain individual that you know and you may not want to but Mm -hmm. you're like look I, i paid this and you know, I'll sell it to you because you keep begging, you keep bothering me for it. But like, I want first dibs if you ever decide to part with it. And that's yeah. you know sometimes a general rule. Uh, or you know, I've had people sell me stuff in bona fide have a better offer somewhere else, and they'll say, "Oh, I'm going to sell this to so and so for five hundred dollars." And and I'm like, "Why? Well, I, I, it's not worth that to me." And like, what would you give me? And if it's less they're like okay I'd, i want to sell it to you and i'm like why i'm like well i don't want this guy because you know to have it because for whatever reason maybe he's going to sell it off or you know yeah you know whatever and and that's like I, collectors are like that man collectors are, are really funny people and i'm i'm <laughs> proud to be one of them because they're quirky yeah, yeah. Well, because they want us to a, go to a home, you know, a good home. Th- there's a difference between being the collector and selling parts just because you have too much or whatever, and being a reseller and doing it as a business, and like, and then there's the other people that lose the passion. I've seen. <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, there was a guy that I actually got into a project with, and this year at Portland, he parted out his entire collection. And, I mean. He has stuff like my homebrew beers that I made back in the day, and he was selling those at Portland, like stuff that I made, like beers and, like, oh, yeah? yeah, it was like craziness. I was like, wait, you have a bottle of my beer still? I drink all that, like, that's awesome. <laughs> and like, I have one bottle of it. It was like actually like my 
books brand Hagen's Alley it was actually the beers brand back in the day too and it's sick the cool Nintendo black box label on the the beers and stuff and like I did like I didn't know there was any of those in existence it was it was really crazy he had stuff like some of the labels and like the dude was crazy collector but he literally like was out of the hobby <laughs> and that's a good example of like the hoarder who just grabs everything yeah and just saves it for like later where I'm the guy that I kind of want to have a display I want to have a room with just everything nostalgic that just hits you in the face and everything you know has its little place and yeah I think the collectors they would they ultimately want it to go to a good home that's you know like because they've saved it for this long so yeah. you might as well you know get it to a good home and a lot of collectors they are good on money potentially because that's why they've been collecting because they don't have they have more income than what they need and they can just buy shit like sealed figures you know it's kind of like there's a hierarchy pyramid aspect to that where when you're buying sealed figures you know you're fed you're good so yeah that's how I've always been I've always taken care of my stuff too and I kept like all my little accessories and everything like that and if I was to sell something it wouldn't be because I needed to sell it it would be because someone wanted it and I really felt that they should have it one one thing that I realized is yeah you have to have some extra money to do it but at the same time it has to be a lot the way I always viewed it was as long as you follow the cycle you know, I had I have one friend who was an Eagles fan, and he would spend crazy amounts of money going to Eagles games and spend the same amount I did on toys. But I knew that if I bought something for a hundred dollars on an open auction, that it wasn't gonna. If I needed the money, it wasn't gonna go for much less than that. You know, as long as there's other bids, so it's just like fifteen bids, and I bid a hundred. Well, if I go to resell it. The next size bid may be eighty-five, so it you know I'm not going to lose that much. So, in typically these collectors collectibles increase in value as we see, mm-hmm. and I just viewed it as putting money from one bank account to another, and through that time frame of collecting so long, like you know when you sell something, you you usually a lot of times I've down played offers like somebody offered me too much, and I'm like Looks, I didn't pay remotely close to that. Yeah, you know, me too. Less, and then I could take that and then just reinvest it into the next thing. So it's almost like an investment where this guy spent, you know, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of Eagles games and tickets and shirts, and like you didn't even win a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Not no yeah. against Philly, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I spent the same amount and. You know, I have the same. I, you know, I can sell tomorrow for what I what I got. You know, he he may not enjoy toys or whatever, but there's things that you know you can enjoy and get and share with your kids or whatever your family. And yeah. then when it's time to part with it, you don't lose it. I didn't lose anything. You know. Yeah. I one thing that one product right now, and I my my girl has been um, Monster High fan, and I've been telling her she's got some good stuff and. I know, I know it's the, the, it's getting late in the line, but mm-hmm. I've said to her in, about three years ago, "Hey, look, buy all these items in this, buy them brand new, pay the full amount. Don't go on eBay, get banged up stuff. Buy full price stuff, put them in a box, stick them in an attic or 
temperature control environment and wait 15, 20 years. They'll, they'll, they'll go down, they'll continually decrease in price. And then when probably about 15 years from now, these things are going to be ridiculously high priced. Yep. Yeah, it's almost like I wish my dad would have bought a sealed version of everything I have, mm-hmm. like when he bought the, the one that I have. If he just would have bought a sealed one and just put it in the attic, you know, like, holy yep. shit. So if you want a good uh, investment tip over the next 15 years, go buy yourself some Monster High dolls. <laughs> buy brand new ones as much as you can, stick them up there, and just wait. There's but, actually quite a few of those items that my daughter's into that I, I nice. know we should, we should be doing that with, but... We're not. <laughs> yeah, we're and we're always about the low ball bid and about not splurging too much on any given thing either. Feeling like you've got the deal, there's nothing that kind of replaces that. That's what it's another great thrill about it, just getting a deal, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And just knowing that you didn't splurge and pay too much, and it's like <laughs> you really didn't have to do all that. Just because you had to have it now, you know, exactly. it doesn't change anything. 100%. I've always been like that. I don't go and buy stuff that's way overpriced. Nor I wait until an open bid comes up because at least you're paying fair market. You know, if you use if you buy it now, who knows what it's worth? But if 10 people bid on a game that you want, then you know that you paid a fair value. You didn't get a great deal, but you didn't get potential of getting beat either. And, you know, if you need to resell it, you, you know, you, you can. And typically right now, at least in this market, it's going to continue to uh, to increase, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as the, as the generation gets to where they want to revisit their childhood, just like we did, you know, it's, it's a pattern. And the thing is, like, what the item is bidding at is the true value in my opinion and what the buy it now is like just an inflated value of what some person you know will part his beloved toy you know but really what people are willing to pay for it at that given time and that's where i'm all about the lowball bid too because if someone just doesn't notice it there's that aspect too like i've won i remember uh, usagi ojimbo the original tmnt with the original card not the the second car that came out with the four turtles on it, the original with like the Usagi art. Um, I won that for 25 cents. Wow. And it was just like, the guy was even pissed off at me. He messaged me. He's like, Hey, you got a great deal, you know? And I'm like, geez, I just, no one outbid me. It's just, that's the other thing too. If no one happens to outbid you, you just get lucky. And I, that's happened a lot. Really? Got to like no, play the like, spread game, you know, bid on like 10 or 12 things and you'll probably win like one. You might, you'll, you'll lose a majority of them, but there is a strategy to that low ball aspect. You know? Yeah, you're right. There's a kid that trolls the GI Joe site and eBay, and he anytime you put anything up, this kid bids on everything. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, it works for him, man. I mean, I'm cool. So, um, we probably should wrap things up a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so one last little classic thing for you, Chris. Okay. Just to show you that I, I researched. Can can you give us a um a little bit of Jay Fontaine to go out? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Jay Fontaine, I'm a beast mode. Yeah, but I sleep though. 
next game like a freak throw. Haters think I got the cheat codes. What I got a cheat foe. Bank count looks steep, yo. Got the yes. Nero's, Pacino's, CVJ, Benzino's, Global Green, no G knows, no nines on me, just C knows. Never them to call me cheap though. They penny pinch, but I sleep though. So. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I pulled that one out of left field. That <laughs> you've done some research, my friend. That's nice, dude. That's like that's, a, a, that's like me doing fifteen minutes, man. Imagine with my books, <laughs> I go crazy so, um, with this shit, dude. Yeah, you could download that song for you could download all the CD stuff for free or whatever the music. I just do the music because it's fun. Um, it's fun and like whoever wants it wants it. It's art, so you know, right. if somebody wants it, hit me up. I'll send it to you for free. Um. And, and whatnot. So yeah, we could wrap up. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Collector Vision has that Pink Panther game. Um, JF had had shared a, a photo. Yeah, yeah. So that's coming soon. Um, now, the, like I said, with what we had started with, you know, please, you know, come through to the convention. You know, show your support. Um, if any, you know, anybody's interested, it's uh, go to ColecoExpo.com mm-hmm. and uh, you know, buy a ticket. Uh, come through the show also like vendors i'm always looking for people who are selling like cool interesting things especially if you have some old school stuff doesn't have to be coleco you know atari sega nes like i want to make sure that all the bases are covered where with arcade free play with special guests special panelists um if you guys are interested in, in in speaking a little bit that's great we should work that out for sure um but it you know, I'm definitely wanting to get like a wide array of vendors who are selling stuff like shadow boxes, artwork, uh, old games, uh, because I really want the this to kind of be a whole fun for the family uh, event uh, situation. Absolutely. So if you have something to sell, this is the place to do it. I'm advertising on major radio stations um, in the area. Um, I have extensive mailing lists, extensive email lists, uh, advertising in magazines. So it's going to be a, it's going to be an event, um, and I want to have people there selling really cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, if I if I come out, I would like to you know have a cool book display going on. I should have my next two books out by August, like no problem. Which I'm okay. working on one and then the other. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate well, you coming, you so coming on, Carl. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for giving me the, the time and, 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 and great questions, man. I had a lot of fun. We, we dug deep, man. We always do. And Now you did your research. I got to give that to you for sure. <laughs> yeah, the toy talk was great. Oh, th- and that's that's half the fun, man, getting you to talk oh, about yeah. the uh, all your crazy passions, not just, you know, the, the Kaleeko. <laughs> you got it, man. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. But we also have a phone number. It is 26226-4BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Plus. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right. See you later. Woo. Later.